Let's make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-fi melody. Got out. All right, Rage. Where are we? Or, uh, when are we? You're both right. Okay, what? How? Exactly. Okay, can you please start making some sense? Okay, fine. Look, we're in a state known as the Dreaming. It's neither time nor place. But it is. It's a malleable place. You know, like a dream. And we are here because... Oh, it's where we can see this week's film, Frog Dreaming. Or in the U.S., The Quest. Seems like a, a lot to go through, but okay. The Quest, that sounds like a generic movie type. Hey, what is that tunnel thing? Ooh, it's a film coming. It's, it's... Rock? What are you doing in the dreaming? This isn't a dream. It's here, Mark. It's finally here. You heard it here first, folks. The EP, Paradise, is out now. Six songs by Ruckstar that you will never forget. Go take a listen now on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon Music, and anywhere you listen to music. Catch the sickness. Man, wow, this is even better than I could have imagined. Sci-Fi Melody, Symptom 268, Frog Dreaming, that's the title? Welcome back, sickies, and we're, I apologize for the little delay in our episodes this month, but we got them all, and we're coming out, we're finishing out strong, and nostalgia november and this episode we're closing out the month with a suggestion by uh the fifth beetle here ethan who asked for the film called the quest and he suggested this on discord and i thought oh man i remember that because back in the day video express i don't know if scott you remember that that back in the day before blockbuster which for some of you is impossible to reckon but video rental stores used to be mom and pop shops, and there was one called Video Express down the street from us. Did, did you did you remember that, Scott? I do remember Video Express. Uh, eventually, okay. I switched over to Movie Mart, but I do remember Video Movie Mart. Well, there was a bunch. There was York Video, Movie Mart, uh, Carino's. Uh, Carino's, anyway. yep. You could also rent yeah. video games. Yes, but I remember Carino sucked because if you didn't, if you weren't the person on the card you they would have to call home to confirm and you didn't go there unless you had to anyway that's a distraction um uh, go ahead and finish your thought though scott nope that's okay that's where i was i I had nothing to add there honestly okay so anyhow uh so i remember once being in video express and seeing the box art for this and google this google uh the quest 1986 sickies and you'll see the box art and it looks amazing in fact there's two different box arts one that's clearly a star wars ripoff and the other one just is a kid standing there with a gun and it looks far better than it ought to 
Uh, yes. I'm going to tell you, in the 80s and 90s, they were masters at deception with movie posters because you would see it and think, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. And then you see the movie and go, oh, this is a disappointment. So, uh, well, even if you liked the film, you thought, okay, well, didn't have anything like that, but okay. And so this is one of those movies. And honestly, I never watched it. My dad tried to get us to rent it, and I don't know why we passed it up. Kind of glad we did. Don't think I would have been able to make it through. And so now we've finally come to, and so Ethan suggested, I Googled it and found out the, it's an Australian film with the original title of Frog Dreaming, which maybe that makes sense for the Aussie crowd, but for an American crowd, that would have been really a title that made most people say, pass. I mean, they went with a very generic title here, though, but... Yeah, but it sounds better than Frog Dreaming, because Frog Dreaming is almost like, oh, so it's a kid dreaming about frogs, huh? That or you're well, going with yeah, it's one of those foreign artsy films, I'm just going to pass it, on it. Exactly. One of those. So it's just like, nah, pass. I'm just going to watch her. I'm just going to rent another Ernest movie. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Oh, look. Ernest goes to the army. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ernest goes someplace cheap. <laughs> Ernest gets a kidney. <laughs> Ernest visits the library. <laughs> hey, Vern. I need a kidney. Hope they get my list on anyway. So. <laughs> But so this 500th episode, Ernest finally dies. <laughs> hey, Vern, I think I'm gonna get in there. Know what I mean? I think I'm gonna find me put in the ground. <laughs> anyway, I should just do, I should just do a whole episode doing the Ernest voice. Know what I mean? And just call the sickies Vern. Hey, Vern, if you want to leave a message, you can go on that Discord channel. Know what I mean, Vern? <laughs> I think we would lose all. Of, I think every listener we ever had would leave after that. I just want to know. I just want to know how many people actually know what we're talking about. Because again, well, we're talking about things past blockbuster. Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. But I want to know how the greatest crossover in cinematic '80s history and '90s history didn't happen. Oh, wait, stop! Hold your thought, because I'm going there. I'm going there. You're right. And with that, I guess I'll jump in because the film star, the biggest selling point of this movie, which I'm sure the creators of the film in Australia thought this was how we're going to get the Yanks to watch it is when they cast Henry Thomas, who's most properly known for his role as Elliot in E.T. This is post E.T. So these, it shows two things. One, that they thought with this kid in here, the Yanks are going to watch the film. And two, uh, Henry wasn't getting many roles, was he? Apparently, E.T. was his biggest role ever. Well, honestly, this normally happens with quite a few children actors. Oh. Either they get one or two big roles where it's like, ooh, look, and then they die out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That wasn't where I was going with that. Oh, no, no, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Okay. But, and then also, either that or they go places and sometimes they make it and sometimes they burn out and you go, 
you remember that store? Whatever happened to them? Oh, yeah, that's exactly what happens. They wind up on a what happened to channel, show, whatever, you know? That's right. So, and for his, I guess, long term, Henry Thomas wound up in a bunch of Netflix horror shows. So, you know, it's not like he didn't get work ever again, but um, clearly his high, his high watermark was E.T. It's a good clearly. high watermark to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure I mean, he's still getting royalties. You had to choose it. Would you rather have that or some no-name movie that no one's heard of? Or, yeah, or it was a flash in the pan or something. Yeah, absolutely. That's at true. At least it's like, yeah, you started every, E.T. At least you have that. Yeah, every time Amblin Entertainment comes on the screen and you look at the little bike in the moon, you're like, that's me. <laughs> that's me. There's my so. 10 cents coming up here. Yep. <laughs> so, but with that in mind, Henry Thomas plays Cody, a kid who is... It's not explicitly mentioned that I can recall, but he's being taken care of by a guy named Gaza in Australia. He lives in Australia in a place called, um, oh, what was it? Woods Hole or whatever. I don't know. It, it is explicitly kind of said. Oh, it is. I know Gaza says, like, I promised his dad I'd look after him. No, there's an entire scene where they're throwing darts and he's talking about <sighs> child yeah, services right. coming. That's right. That's right. I remember that at the beginning when Gaz is throwing darts at the cop, the sheriff. All right. With, with the sheriff, not at the sheriff. Yeah. But <laughs> so, it, it, you know, his L Cody is being looked after by this guy, Gaza. And I'm just going to call it Woods Hole, Australia, because it might, it's, it's the middle of nowhere. Okay. Now, isn't most of Australia, the middle of nowhere. Yeah. There's, you know, there's, Perth and Perth and Melbourne and Sydney and Canberra and and the rest of it's um some nothing? other places Castlemaine you know yeah um yeah so most most of the country is a giant sand dune <laughs> yeah so so anyway um I'm just gonna go ahead and say it and let's see if this is where Scott was going Elliot's parents died. And his name was changed to Cody by the U.S. government to hide his involvement with E.T. And he was shipped off to Australia. There it is. There's that's, the link up. That's brilliant, but that's not where I was going. I but wanted you to know going? how the greatest 80s, 90s cinematic universes didn't cross by having um, Ernest 27. Ernest meets Dorf. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> See, it's not all anticlimactic. It just doesn't. Work. Uh, no, I, I was. I thought you were going with uh, that uh, after the ET incident. The U.S. government, in an effort to hide it, made him legally change his name to Cody. And when his parents died, they just found a guy in Australia and shipped him off and said, you know, whatever. So Cody, and then Cody has been somehow men well, in black, men in black, so that he forgets the whole thing. You know, the funny thing is, they both ride a lot of bikes. Well, that was how you got around back then. But not, not one of his inventions, but okay. Well, that's funny because that's how the film starts. It starts with him in a welding in a workshop and he can't be more than what? 10? They say he's which 14. Part? They say he's 14 in this movie. Which yeah. I, yeah, I'm okay, just going sure. to say that 
this as someone who welds at their job. No. <laughs> oh, no, they never get that right. Remember, I remember I was watching the movie. The well, I'm not even team. talking about how they were welding. I'm which is obviously like, that's not how you weld, but that's pretty mm-hmm. much in every film. Like, oh, that's not how you grind. That's not how you weld. That's not how you do anything. But I was more going, no, no 14 year old should be in in the modern day. Even 80s, I count as modern. Mm-hmm. Welding. Making this. Yeah. No. Absol- no, Sarah and I looked at each other and were like, oh, that kid is way too young to be welding. <laughs> oh, well, well, for sure, Gaza is going to win Guardian of the Year for sure. Which we'll, we'll get also, into that with the plot. But Also, this kid who's apparently really smart because he does do some pretty smart, inventive things. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure should be on some kind of medicine because if I had to guess, he has ADHD. Because he's really fixated on stuff and missing some very obvious things like brakes. Yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. So he, the film starts off with him building a bike which can ride on railroad tracks. And that's instead not, of that's not bad because it's like, yeah, it makes some neat. sense. It's neat. But the bad part is everybody in the town, including adults, come instead out to of see going, it. yeah, come out to see it saying he's going to try to break his record. And you're thinking, what record? Maybe and he he's starts doing a going jump. Out. Yeah, and he goes on these railroad tracks, and he's riding, and he's riding, and you realize he's on train tracks. I presume those are not active tracks. Oh, they are. <laughs> well, it also gets so, better when you figure out that his method of doing it is pretty janky. But you move on to oh, he's riding on active train tracks, which is really stupid and two he forgot the important part the brakes yeah i would say one of the most important parts when you figure out oh you forgot brakes on something that's like forgetting tires on a car yeah so he very nearly he beats his record of 20 minutes to the next station Unfortunately, he nearly gets killed in the process. Uh, then and we there's find adults out. in a pickup truck timing him. Yes, there are well, that's adults what I'm not only not stopping this, they are encouraging this. Also, I'm, in a pickup truck, when he drives by and he goes, I can't stop, and they just go, oh. Oh, well, that's a problem. You could chase after him. You could get in the pickup and try to catch him. Nah. I no, we'll run after him after he crashes and then just tell him, bad you know i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it it's a redneck town that's all there is to it that's the answer you know what my answer to it is Mm. he didn't survive that the opening of the film he actually didn't jump off he crashed into that train and the rest of the film is him dying it's like one car that looks like it might have been manually operated it's well, it's a small train, but the point is, it would have killed him. So, a, actually, I think that would be a service cab, but well, he definitely so, would have had a mark on his face after he hit the tree. So, well, we've established off the edge of the side of a mountain, off that, grabbed onto a tree branch, snapped backwards, falls on his head, and walks it off. So, what we've established yeah. is that, um, he's Elliot. 
and ET gave him superpowers without him knowing it. And the re and at the same time, maybe he did know it, but then the men in black showed up, blotched out his memory, and the US government changed his name to Cody and shipped him off to Australia once his parents died from some kind of radioactive exposure to ET. And Gaza's been watching him. There we go. And that also explains why he's smarter than the average bear. Um, Is he though? Than the average kid in that place, yes. So <laughs> in that place. So anyway, Cody, Cody, um, he has a, a girlfriend or a girl that he's supposed to be his girlfriend and her sister. And they decide to have a picnic in the national park nearby. So they jump on their bike and bikes and head to Devil's Knob, which is a national park. And one of the things I forgot to mention is at the beginning of the film, it shows a guy in a pond lake fishing. And it starts bubbling up, and he rides to the edge, and well, apparently dies. I mean, he gets away from the pond. It's a thing. It's a well. We don't know that. We don't know that yet. You can we don't tell know that from yet. the side mountain coughs. but but we don't know that. Keeping with the story, so he managed to escape whatever thing comes out of the lake at the beginning, but then he dies. I guess. So they go to Devil's Knob, they find the place, and wouldn't you know it, Cody happens to know the guy, because of course he does. And uh, Cody, find, we find out the guy's Neville, and that he is dead. They find his skeleton. Which means that Neville must have died a while ago. And just nobody cared. Like, he has a job in Sydney and comes down there for the weekends, and apparently no one in Sydney seemed to notice Neville was missing. I guess nobody really needed poor Neville. Well, so, you never know. Maybe he just died last week and, you know, those spiders got him. That's true, too. It's it Australia. Australia. And they have, yeah. Okay, that, that checks. So, um, the police arrive, cart the body off, and rule it out as a heart attack or something. But then, what they find out is in Devil's Knob, the aboriginal do not come around because it's the frog dreamings where you could go into the dream world kind of like on Halloween when the Celts used to believe you could wind up in the world of the dead I guess and they find out that the area has bunyips which is kind of like a Sasquatch I guess monster and uh, also everybody seems to have a uneasy feeling when they go into a certain area around that pond and so Cody goes on a mission to find out about the Bunyips. And in particular, uh, what do they call him? All of a sudden, I forget what they called him. Um, something man, donkey man. I don't know. What was Donkajin. it called? Donkajin. Thank you. I think you. it's Donkajin. Donkajin. So it's he like goes short on it. for donkey engine. Yeah. So he goes on a quest to run around to talk to Aborigines. To see about Donkajin, he winds up in what he thinks is the dreaming, which might be because he's dead, as Tom has posited. And he winds up meeting a Kurdaicha man, which is like a shaman. And Cody decides to make himself a underwater breathing contraption and goes onto the lake to find where this Donkajin is and disappears. And everyone thinks he's dead. So they're going to dredge up this pond using two engines two pumps that two might, sub pumps well 
That's yes. and it might it would work. It, no, in no, about a month or two. Well, it wouldn't work because you'd also have to put that water somewhere. And well, since this uh, is a yeah, dried up true. koi, the water's going to that point because it's a low point. You'd have to find somewhere else to dump it. Yeah, so back no, in it wouldn't there. work. No, it wouldn't work. And even if you did have a point, so you have like two months to kill, two sump pumps, instead of just getting a diver, you're going to use two sump pumps. Well, they do oh. get divers eventually. Well, th that's the point. They eventually do. And they all have a good old time only because his girlfriend uh, goes into his workshop and finds out that he uh, has, she sees that he made some model of a, an oxygen system. And, and this is after she helped him in the first place, making his oxygen system with a fishbowl and helping him go in and then he disappeared she sees that in an old donkey engine excavator and tells everybody he's still alive and everybody decides we're to go down and see while they're tr at the same time gaza and the sheriff are dredging the pond for one they actually believe her which is like impressive uh, well they must be bored there's nothing going on there for two he made a diving suit with a fishbowl because he's a genius, remember? Well, here's the problem I have with this. Mm. How does he seal it? Yes. He's putting a fishbowl on his head that's going to have a gap allowing water to come in. Yeah, Unless that's what I was thinking too. he's pressurized that water, uh, that air, in quite a bit, which I don't see how he pressurized it that much to keep a seal. He's drowning before he even gets anywhere. Asking yeah, way mean, too many questions. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you think back to those old diver suits. Those were spun brass or copper and sealed. Um, yeah, he, he's going after this. that. He's going after that idea, which... Plus, a fit, spun brass or copper versus glass. With, yeah. Without a seal. Standard, standard fishbowl. I mean, I'm okay hold. with it being a standard fishbowl because he's only going a couple feet underwater and it's not that much pressure. But it needs to be, well, it's not sealed. I thought that as I was watching, yeah. and I'm like, oh man, come on. I blame the prop department. The prop department just dropped the ball interpreting yeah. the prop for what was needed. They looked at yeah. the actual storyboard and said, oh, kid puts fishbowl on his head, and nobody thought any further. <laughs> well, what's interesting, too, is he also figures, that he's trying to figure out the source of this disturbance, and he goes to, what's his name, Dr. I'm going to call him Dr. Mr. Satchel because I forgot his real name, the geographer that on the charts can't find the pond is like, well, it's not there, but here, tell you what, take my book and go down there and if you and draw it in for me. Wow. I mean, we sure. I why mean, not? What? Why yeah, not? Let, go ahead. let me put some blue crayon on top of this really expensive yeah. book of <laughs> maps. Yeah. Topographical maps. <laughs> what could go wrong? So, in the end, in the press, they finally send divers down, and Donkajin shows up, but as soon as its head leers above the water, they find out it's a donkey engine excavator with algae on it. And wouldn't you know it, Cody's in there, and he's stuck. And he extricates himself, they get him in the shore, and he makes a clever quip about, did anybody get a picture of that? 
and then as he's and then later on he sees um um the shaman and wonders if he was really in the dreaming after all because he pictures the he pictures the monster getting put back into the pond yeah also quick question yeah how long was he underwater again a couple days or something like that yeah that's the thing. I guess there was enough oxygen coming up. You know, it, it, again, like Scott said, please don't ask. Because none of it makes sense. Not even a professional diver's tank is going to last three days. Was he no. under there three days? I thought he was only under there like a few hours. No, it was days. At least Yeah, it was days. like at least. Yeah, it was like a while. It wasn't like, you know, before they rushed it, in with the dive team in the helicopter. I thought it was the same night and they were just sitting I think there it trying was to like, dredge the pond. I, I think it was like Will Byers long enough, you know, well, it seems sure. like she was there right okay, at minimum was talking about it was sundown night. We're talking uh, six hours ish at minimum, which okay, I don't minimum, think it was. Minimum six hours, maximum three days. Point is, fishbowl contraption will not last that long. Even no. if there's a pocket of air, which I don't know how there would be a pocket of air that big when it's that. Yeah, I think they're somehow trying to say that inside the donkey engine excavator that he was within a pocket of air and that that thing was so big that he was inside that there was enough air to him to breathe for a few hours. Uh-huh. Yeah, whatever. I don't think they also supposed to believe he was in there more than 24 hours. I'm also going to ha- have trouble believing that there's enough air pressure to somehow lift this metal contraption out of the water and oh my move it around thank you. by the thank power you. of windmill. Thank you. Uh, you know, that takes enormous amount of energy. To yeah. Move Definitely in rips and picks right now. We're in rips and picks now. Oh, yeah. So let me go through some quick trivia because it's boring. And then we're going to do that because the, the few rips and picks that are worth it is filmed on location in Woods Point, Victoria in Australia. And funny thing, since the film was made, what, over 30 years ago, it still looks largely similar. So, if you care to go see what that was like, have at it. Uh, let's see. The quarry, it was an actual rock quarry, which, as you pointed out, Thomas, that was clear as day if you know what you're looking for. Um, so, the bottomlessness of the pond, the pond was at its deepest 40 feet. Um, and they know because they sent a diver down to double check um the scene where there's where he goes to the coast by bike to meet with the aborigines yeah that was like three hours away which doesn't surprise me because i thought you're in the middle of bfe how are you that the coast you're all of a sudden at the coast now well not just that my thought my thought was also the Aborigines normally live more interior, but okay. Yeah. And the final fun fact, which is actually quite funny, is there's a, a scene where Jane, Cody's girlfriend, not girlfriend, is shown reading a book in bed called The Perfumed Garden. Um, I don't know how this happened, but 
The Let me full guess. title. Oh no. The full title is The Perfumed Garden of Sensual Delight by Muhammad Ibn Muhammad Al Nafzawi. And it's a Arabic a work of Arabic erotic literature <laughs> from the 15th century. <laughs> Don't know if that's true, but I sure hope it is. Oh my I sure hope it's her parents got I bigger sure problems than Cody. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I really I, hope that's I, I a might, true I, fact. Might explain why Cody's into her, but okay. Yeah. Wow. So I want to lead off with the first rip because I I mentioned this in the text stream. You guys probably missed it, but I, I just got to put it out there. And I know at the time, this would have been an acceptable thing to say. I get it. But for things that just don't age well, here it is. First, they refer to the Aborigines as the Blacks, which, I'm, you know, immediately you're like, eh, it's outdated, but is it that bad? Until you hear the rest of the sentence. The Blacks got a lot of funny ways. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, oh my. Well, um, I was also going to say that these Aborigines seem more like New Orleans Aborigines. Like they are acting in ways I'm like. This well, like I mean, voodoo almost. Everybody's different, but you know, I don't know much about Aboriginal culture, but I can say this: it didn't age well. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't age well. And here's the thing: this was out of the supposedly um, enlightened uh, '80s, leading into the '90s, where the world was. Uh, slapping itself on the back for believing we had solved all the problems of the generations that came before us. And what these things that do not age well show you when you look back in time is is just how far we still have to go with ideas of even imperialism and colonialism and, um, you know, the treatment of, in, of indigenous peoples um, and, 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 and just the human tendency and trends towards racism. Uh, I, I know that this is 36 years in the past, but it's, a, it's at a point in the past when we were telling ourselves that we had, if not solved most of the problems, come a long, long way towards having solved them. Uh, prematurely and incorrectly. But these things that don't age well capture that. and can be used as warnings to ourselves not to sit there and believe that we've solved them yet today, which we haven't. Well, I mean, it, it was a lessening. I mean, Aborigines weren't actually granted actual Australian citizenship till the post-war period. And you had a, you know, well, a lengthening, a lengthening of more rights for them as time went on. But, you know, just, Old habits die hard, I guess. It also goes to show that this is a problem that is Period not piece. distinct. It's not distinct to any one place. No, it's no. a global these, inherent flaw in the species. And you can say this for sure. What it does demonstrate, you know, not trying to get too deep into the deep meaning here, but that these are children saying it, and they don't mean any harm. They don't really... They're, they're kids. They don't get it. So there's no malice in their statement, which shows you where a lot of these things can come from. They just pick it up and 
the kids, like I said, these these three kids, they're not running around trying to be trying to say horrible things. Obviously, I mean, Cody's seeking these people out for help. If he had thought they were lesser subhuman, he wouldn't have done so. But um, that's going way off the beaten path and probably getting more deep meaning yeah. than we need to. Well, but yeah. well, well, also when you're going off on the aborigines didn't get citizenship. I mean, the country was only forty years old then. Yeah, but I mean, it's still, they were, it's just the same thing as, well, they were here first, but now we're deigning to grant them citizenship, you know. Well, uh, again, that's an entire discussion. That's, that's another one, but it's just, it's, it's one of those like, oh boy, they were here first, but they don't count yet. They don't count yet. So, uh, but th- again, that's a separate issue. Another one I want to mention as a rip is... So Neville dies. Not sure how. Don't care. Moving on. Exactly. Yeah, Neville is the most moving on character in this film. He's he's there. He dies. Who cares? Like, and no one seems to be shocked about it after that. It's like for a small town in the middle of nowhere that talks about these things forever. These people are just like, huh? Eh. Also, uh, this is very interesting. If Neville lives in Sydney and comes out here to on the weekends, which I don't okay. know why on earth you do that, but okay, it's oh, just, just weekend fish. joint. Fine, okay, what fine. But he goes fishing, i i e drinking, yeah, in a both in a koi. You're not going to catch any fish, buddy. He's definitely there to drink. He's 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 going drinking. He's coming down to get oh, drunk sure. and pass out in a he's canoe not, where no one can bother him. He's, he's not exactly star fisherman either. He ties a line to his finger and just lays down and see it. And if nothing happens, it's like, well, at least I had a good drink. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna yeah. lead, I'm gonna lead with this. <laughs> At one point, um, the sheriff asks uh, his guardian Gaza. It's Gaza, right? Who's his guardian? Yeah, Gaza. Yeah. Uh, where's he been the last few days? I don't know. A boy comes and goes as he chooses. His doings are not my doing. You don't have to tell me what he does. <laughs> what do and, then later he cr- and then later on he cries, I promised I'd look after the kid. Wait, 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 Which wait, wait, wait. It? Did you all of a sudden uh, remember your promise only after you spectacularly failed? Right. This isn't good enlightened parenting. This isn't a, you know, this isn't a parental method. It's lazy. You don't want to parent at all. So you're not parenting. Maybe you should care what your kid's doing. Today, he built a homemade contraption and, and uh, strapped it to a railroad track and got up to 50 miles an hour, almost collided with the plane, fell down a mountain and nearly knocked himself out. In his other Train. spare times... Yeah. In his other spare time, he's hanging out in an abandoned quarry in the middle of a reservation with a transient from Sydney who gets drunk in a canoe for the weekend. I don't know what else this kid is doing. He's using your welding your welding tools at age 14 in the garage, unsupervised. Um, yeah. He fired a cannon that he made by himself across your garage. Then he decided at 14 to take his homemade diving contraption along with his homemade cannon down to said quarry that he hung out with the transient at to go seek out a monster. Now, even if we know there's not a monster down there, there could be some type of animal that lives in there or snake or something that is harmful to him. Oh, by the way- It's Australia. Yeah. It is Australia. Everything's dangerous. 
is dangerous there. Okay? By the way, the kid, the kid hasn't been taught any restraint. He's got a death wish at 14. To save the girls, he simply jumps in off the cliff to the pond from like 100 feet up. Thank you. That's another one. It's like, oh my gosh, they're getting pulled in. Time to go cliff diving. Thank God he judged uh, the depth of the pond correctly uh, what? there. What? Well, not just that. I have no problem with like teaching kids, you know, skills. If I have, you know, a son or a daughter, I would have no problem teaching them how to weld and all this. Unsupervised? Let me finish. <laughs> teaching them, not letting them do it on their own. If they do it, it has to be supervised. And that goes for about everything. Oh, I'm going to go run off and make this. What are you making? Hey, what Bob. on earth are you doing? Hey, Cody. Oh. Check. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, hey, buddy, what you making over there, kiddo? Oh, I'm making skates for my bike to go ride on the railroad tracks. How about no on that one? <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? Reminds me of that Simpsons episode where Bart's using a welder and Homer goes, Bart, you can't, you can't weld with a flame that big, stupid kid. And then he just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, hey, Cody, check out my nice classic car that I've got all souped up. In case you didn't have this idea in your head, let me put you this idea in it? your head. Don't let me find you and your girlfriend in that back seat. He's 14, yeah. bro. That's your 14-year-old Ford. <laughs> and then he's driving well, it home. Well, and then after the I, after the doo-wop dance. Well, I mean, his girlfriend is reading some very interesting literature, so it's yeah. the worst. It's the worst parenting ever. I mean, I'm sorry. This it's is not, all not around. even parenting. It's just all lazy parenting. It, it, it's treating him like it's his college it's, frat boy. Well, it's, or his it's frat hard, buddy. It's not- Where's your roommate? Yeah. I don't know. His goings aren't my going and doings, man. He's going to fail it's, out of college if he wants to. It's not my problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, the whole town has a problem. The town honestly has a huge problem where it's like, he's going to go race on the railroad tracks. Like, uh, watch this. And we got yeah. adults running to it. Like, Bart's going to jump the Springfield Gorge. <laughs> All the adults were running to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <sighs> no one's running there to stop him either. None of them are going, hey, buddy, stop. No, they're all going know, to watch. Go, Cody. Which brings me to another question, and I don't say this lightly, but I the parallels are too good. Cody's a Mary Sue, or whatever the guy version of is. Because think about it. A, he's good at everything he tries. Okay? He can, and when he does fail, he can only fail upwards. Two, he's just utterly lucky. He jumps off a cliff and miraculously doesn't fall into the shallow and break both legs and drown. He goes underwater for minimum six hours, maximum three days. And his biggest problem is he's stuck. But don't worry, folks. He gets out. He makes friends with the Aborigines who at no point find him suspicious. They're all just like, yeah, we'll tell you all our greatest secrets, whatever. And then he also goes there by himself, by the way. By himself. No no problems. Yeah, I should have thrown that in with the bad parenting. Well, you know where he's been the last three days? He traveled to the coast to meet the Aborigines and went and sought out a man named Charlie Pride in the dock at night to dance with the devil. (laughs) And nobody cares. And and not only that, everybody knows him. Not (laughs) Not only does everybody know him, but they like him. Like well, at the very end, when he's climbing out of the gorge and turns around and goes, 
hey, did anybody get a picture of this, of that uh, bunyip? Which is the only time you see him crack a smile in the movie. Um, crack a sm- anything other than a blank look in the entire film. Uh, everyone just kind of laughs along like, oh, Cody, you completely wasted our time and made us scared to death and cost resources and made us dredge a lake. But we love you anyway. It's <laughs> well, like, okay, about- it's official. This kid's a Mary yeah. Sue. Okay, I, I'll agree with you. But I also have a good point here. Mm. No one figured out Donkey Engine. Donkey Engine. Well, it's Australia. They have a lot of interesting names for things like Ding Wobble or whatever. Well, also, <laughs> how about this one? I don't know of any, any piece of equipment I've ever worked on. That would be as heavy as that, that can get moved around with uh, just a little bit of a chain and rope and a little and bit of wind. oxygen. Yeah. Oh, that. Well, of course. But but you know how uh, no one would know it and it couldn't work unless Cody's involved. Because only Cody will figure that out. And it'll magically work because Cody's around. Well, I. If, if I'm cool, oh, it's not you. Someone at the quarry had to link up the donkey engine to the windmill to make it do that by the power of wind. It but makes that no wouldn't sense. Even make, it wouldn't even make sense right. because it's like, wait, um, as Thomas pointed out, do, do you have a hurricane force gale, a gale, like a hurricane force wind blowing that thing? Because. It, that the amount of wind that that windmill's generating was not nearly enough to lift that donkey engine if it were out of the water. Correct. Now, but add what would be a the ton point? of water on top of it. What would, what would even be the point? point? Because we're trying to screw with people to make them think that the bunyip is real. Also, technically, I don't even think it's a do- donkey engine. It's an excavator crane. Well, you see, the point of that is that it's a clever play on words. Well, it do- the problem being, it doesn't look like a donkey engine, though, because it, it, even the old time ones, this looks like a very modernish crane, which would be using hydraulics. Yeah, the donkey engine is steam powered. Which makes oh my goodness oh my goodness thomas you are not kidding i just googled donkey engine yeah i had to too no no this is not even close no i'm I'm looking at them right now because i was i was thinking because i i work with this stuff i'm like wait a minute donkey engines look different don't they well not donkey engines but i work with mechanical stuff and i'm like i remember looking up a donkey engine at one point and it's all chains and nothing hydraulic. This it's, looks it's like hydraulic. Like a, it looks like a boiler. Yeah. So again, this is not a donkey engine. This looks like a very much a hydraulically driven excavator. Modern as you said. excavator, which gives even less credence. Where you're like, you know how much you might not, but to move something hydraulically. You know how much pressure is in those hydraulic lines because it's moving massive things? Yes. So if it's moving these massive things and hydraulically, 
I don't know how it's moving with wind up and then back and forth. I don't. For one, it's not donkey engine. For two, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, no. I I I'll go to a pick. Yeah, we gotta have. We have to have a pick. We have to have a pick in here. I will say this: it's a big general pick, but here it is. This movie captures what you're supposed to have in a adventure movie for kids. It does have that sense of adventure, sense of trying to accomplish something. It seems massively important to the child, even though it really doesn't matter what Donkajin is or isn't. Uh, uh, We only lost one transient in the quarry, (laughs) (laughs) and it doesn't appear to be anything from Donkajin. So, but there is this wild-eyed wonder, and it captures that. And it, it, it captures that sense of angst. It captures that sense of trying to fit in. It captures that sense of trying to find your way. Um, it, does, it does tell... It, it's, it, it's an adventure that makes no sense, but man, they're on an adventure. And I'll give them that. Well, I, I'm going to kind of agree with you and pick in that, uh, put a pick that way too. It is a children's movie. Now, admittedly, mm-hmm. yeah. if I ever show this to my kids... I will be sitting there telling them, don't do any of this. Uh, don't be stupid, stupid. Yep. Um, but it is a children's film, and it kind of captures that child feel. That feel that's like, yeah, when you were a kid, you, just, uh, you were invincible, and everything was the biggest deal ever. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I give it that. However, I will say this. Um... Glenn Dunks of uh, Australian uh, critic said that it is comparable to the likes of Goonies, Flight of the Navigator, and the Monster Squad. Um, wow, that's no, no, it's not. I'm afraid. Um, it's not. No, no, what? no, it's not. And at the same time, it won for best editing in the Australian Academy of Cinema TV Award. It won an, an award. Oh my! In Australia uh, for best what was, editing. What I was guess it against um, a film of a guy picking his nose. I don't man a blurry image. I don't. <laughs> No, that would that that would have won for best editing. Man picking his nose for a half hour. I mean, come I, on. I, I will be a hundred percent honest. This film has a lot of issues. Editing is being, I think, ha- is actually not a bad one because it does seem to edit pretty well. Yeah, the acting, on the other hand, is atrocious. Oh dear lord! Can you emote Henry Thomas? It's almost like I he can. Seen any... We've seen him in the ET, and he at least had emotions a little bit. Exactly. I'm just wondering. I haven't seen any interview about this with him. So, sickies, go ahead and chime in. Leave a comment, if you will, either on Discord or the webpage. But I'm assuming that he somehow realized. Somewhere shortly after signing into the production, he realized this is a step down. And they need me more than I need them. So this is how I'm going to do it. Or the director told him every time he tried to emote, whoa, 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 calm down there, Henry. Calm down. We need, you're, not, you're not cardboard enough. 
we need you to scale that back. You put a little bit too much emotion into that scene. Well, honestly, I'm going to say I can't really point to anyone in this film and say they did outstanding acting because honestly, the scenes that stand out, they don't aren't standing out because the actors are moated. I mean, literally them throwing darts. That was emotionless. But it was the most informative scene of the film. It was. I remember it because I remember information from it, but not because they emoted. I mean, they were just, I am, I am not going to lose him. I am here to protect him. He's my ward. Uh, yeah. You will lose him. It, can you get a tone inflection in here or something? <laughs> Probably because the actor realized, I, I'm, I'm sorry. You really think you want me to tell people with a straight face that I'm doing a good job watching this kid? <laughs> I mean, Come on. I know it, we're in a redneck town, but come on. Even actually, they I, have standards. I have to take that back. I, I do have to take it back. There were emotions at the beginning of the film when, when he was everybody going to was go running out to see him. Yeah, when everyone was excited to see his death, <laughs> his uh, near I, fatal I, crash. I'm telling you, it makes this whole film make sense if he died at the beginning. Yeah, it kind of does. That would explain why everybody was so flat. That's also in the dreaming. Everybody's just kind of the emotions there. go away. They're, They're just, just there. there. The, the him not getting in trouble for almost killing himself and damaging public property. They just go, don't do it again. Makes why the sense. laws of why the laws of physics just don't work. Why gravity yeah. is suspended at a most convenient time and specific place. Either he's dying and this is his, you know, death dream, or he's sitting in the hospital in a coma in Sydney. Okay, so Siggy's, we fixed this. We have script doctored this story. He is actually Elliot from ET, and after the ET encounter, some he got superpowers or super smart powers. Yet the radiation emanating from him actually killed his parents, his mom first, and then his dad who came to take care of him. But then the men in black decided to come wipe his memory. And then his name was changed to Cody and he was moved to Australia to hide him. And in the process of the next few years, he became what he became and against Gaza's wish did the train experiment with the bike got smashed by a train and was either dying or in a coma in a hospital in Sydney, Canberra, whatever. And this is the reason it's called frog dreaming is because it's his, because it's a dream. Yeah. There we go. Everything makes sense now. As long as you go with my explanation that he is either in a coma or dying. It makes sense. Movie set, makes total sense now. Yeah. And we even added an ET angle for some continuity. Hey, cool. Now we're good. No, this it makes perfect sense. And the entire reason why he was on the, on the railroad tracks was because he was for some reason even though he was men in black he remembered that expedition with et and he was trying to relive it oh oh yeah that's a good one that's a good one it was like coming back to him in visions and he tried it out but someone forgot to tell him oh yeah you're on an active train track but he was so you know as you said adhd about it he forgot the brakes and wha-bam and the rest of it's just his dream okay so we got this um 
I think that's pretty good. I think it's about time to rate this thing. That's a good uh, retcon you guys came up with there. I know. Isn't that good? <clears throat> so how many bunyips do we want to give this thing? I'll, I'll actually start this week. It's a fun enough kids movie. And honestly, I would I have made it through as a kid? Yeah, maybe. Um, but would I have I remembered it beyond that one time viewing? Nah. Not really. This this wouldn't have been like Flight of the Navigator or Goonies or Monster Squad, which I watched all the time. And Monster Squad, I still watch every year in October. Um, this would have been a one and done kind of film. In fact, that's what it is now, one and done. And I have no intention of seeing this ever again. And, um, you know, unlike The Last Starfighter or Enemy Mine, which I would watch again, or even Time Bandits for that matter, although I'm more likely to watch clips of that than the whole movie. But unlike Last Starfighter or Enemy Mine, I'm not going to watch this again. So uh, with that in mind, though, good enough kids movie, but it needs major retconning. It gets a five or a four. Okay. Um, I'm going to say it's a good children's film. Um, I'm not upset that I've seen it. I'm not like mad about it. It's not that bad, but it's not an outstanding kids film. It's not a film that I'm going to sit here going must watch, but I've seen it now. So I, at least I can say that. So there's a upside though. Um, it, at points it's dry it's slow there's some interesting points but overall meh and I will I'm sorry Ethan but thank you for the recommendation but my rating is going to be a 4 also yeah so it's a, it's a it's it's an okay effort for the genre that it is um it gets what it's supposed to, telling a tale of of childhood adventure and wonder. It's fast enough paced that the movie never drags and you're never sitting there going, oh my god, when when will this thing end? Um, mm. And I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an average effort for this style of film. Uh, there's there's better versions of it of which we've reviewed several on this on this podcast, including some that have been said today as, as Flight of the Navigator. Um, you know, I mean, you've got things like the never ending story. I mean, you got the, in this childhood adventure tale, E.T., uh, that are just, they're, they're the top end of it. And when I compare this against those better things, I come up with this as an average film. And, uh, then, and for me, that gets a five, which is a five is an average film for me. So it's right there. There's nothing wrong with it. There's just nothing in it that elevates it, um, that, that I can elevate it above being an average film. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Uh, is it worth your time, Sickies? Uh, I'm I going mean, to answer you- that. I'm going to answer that and say, I don't think it's a, it's w- not a waste of time, let's say. Okay, I was going to say long answer, no with a maybe, short answer, yes with a but. I think this is also a film that if you're going to relate to it, it's going to depend on what type of a kid you were. If you were an adventurous kid who was a tinkerer and liked to try to invent and do things and modify things and a little bit of a rebel, 
Uh, it will totally fit with you much then more. Then you will relate to this film, and looking back on it, you will like it, and it will have a, a, a more special spot in your memory. If you weren't, if you can't see yourself in Cody, then it's harder to relate to this film, and it becomes an average film. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, boy, I think that's a good point. That could have knocked it down because I was someone I know in my family was exactly like that, and it was aggravating in the best of times. So, uh, but nonetheless, here we are at the end of Nostalgia November. Uh, so, what have you? What do you sickies think? Which one was your favorite uh, episode? Which one is your favorite film? Do you remember these coming out? Thank you to everyone that recommended a film. We're more than ha- uh, happy to review things and go over comments. Uh, uh, speaking of comments, well, I was feel- also going to say if they have more recommendations, that we are more than welcome to listening. Us. Yeah, sure, shoot, shoot them over. Shoot na- and recommendation or comments. You could visit visit us on our Discord page where you could find. All the other things that are on Raving Lunatic Media, including Zodiac Task Force, will be another episode of coming that that coming out soon. Uh, the Casatorium, which I promise is forthcoming, and hopefully that haunted elevator is going to be one of them. Uh, it's also, never happening. It's never happening. Don't don't kill my dream. Uh, and um, don't kill the dream, please. And then uh, also, the, you could also tune into previous episodes. You could leave comments there. You could also check out Ruck's new EP, as we mentioned. That's awesome. Paradise. I still listen to that song. Still hooked. Uh, and you could also go to our website to leave comments at www.getcodyacompanyguardian. That's not named. Got no ravinglunaticmedia.com, ravinglunaticmedia.com, ravinglunaticmedia.com. Rage Master, what's left for them to do? Stay sick, sickies. And tune in when we return to the works of Philip K. Dick next month in Dick Month Part 2. Wait, that's not what it is? No. <laughs>